Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. How often do you do phone contact purges? Never. Never. Never do Never. It. I have I, uh... contacts in there from when I was in middle school with very middle school-esque contact names. And I just, I just don't delete them. Yeah, I have people's contact pictures from middle school. That's crazy. <laughs> that I never changed. I like it that way. It's like, it just, it keeps me, I wouldn't say it keeps me humble, but it like, it lets. It, it reminds me to humble them. <laughs> yes. It's just like, let me remind you what you looked like when you were in seventh grade. And so. Um, I, just, I like it like that. So I have no desire to do a contact purge, but I think what would be funny is if we got to like um, assign different roles to contacts and they got to, uh, and my phone would like treat them differently. That's like, oh, this is like high school lab partner. This is good X. This is bad X. This is a person I had one class in college with. And I feel like that would be a very like, and if you had like the foresight to put that into your phone, like you, if you've ever looked at somebody's like contacts and you go to the H section and it's just like Jack Hinge, John Hinge, Tyler Hinge, like I want that, but on like an official capacity. What I want is uh, shuffle and just call them. <laughs> like, like, like you open up the phone app and it's just like, surprise me. Yeah. Just surprise me. The I'm feeling lucky of my phone. And let me just like call a random person. And I don't have that many girlfriends and I'm scared. I'm scared it's going to be that one person I had a class with freshman year. Yep. And I got their contact just so they could like send me the questions for homework. And they definitely deleted your contact or like changed. I don't think anybody deletes contacts. I think you lose your contacts. Yeah. Like you lost your phone, you get new ones. But I don't think, I don't think anybody's deleting stuff. I don't think that's happening to anybody. Yeah. Are there people that like if they called you, you would pick up just out of like morbid curiosity? I think that's most of the people on my phone. Oh, sure. Okay. I think the the better I know you, the more likely I am not to pick up. <laughs> well, I think about like the people that I have had falling outs with and like if somebody that I had a falling out with called me, I would 100% pick up mostly cuz I'm like you must be desperate if you're calling me. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to know. As long as I'm not trying to sell me anything, bro. I'm just like trying. Like, I want to know. This <laughs> it's just interesting. And we have like, in general, like walked away from the art of calling, which I don't mind. Um, I kind of like being able to schedule calls. If anybody calls me out of the blue, I assume someone's dead. Um, See, I don't. I people I have so many people that call me in my life that's just not a big deal anymore. I would also call people, but a lot of times now I text, "Hey, can I call you?" and then yeah, I call sure. you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, or something like that. Absolutely. Um and so I find it fascinating like I feel like people don't just call each other anymore, which again, I'm not discrediting. I just think it would be fun if instead of like doing like a crime purge we did like a social purge where it's like, hey, that thing that you've been wanting to do but haven't because of social taboos, just do it for 24 hours. No judgment. I could only do that if the whole world knew that. Yes, of course. Like, and obviously 
uh, April Fools does not count. Yeah, that's for not sure. A, that's not. It's not funny. It's, that'd be a weird joke. April so, Fools like, has. Sorry. No, dude. You're, whatever you're gonna say is gonna be more interesting <laughs> okay. than whatever I was gonna say. April Fools again, like calling. It's interesting watching this like diminished returns on what used to be like. Maybe it's because we're adults. Um, and you just look at April Fool's Day with like childlike wonder, but there was a sweet spot between like 2015 and like 2018 where a bunch of companies got in on April Fool's jokes and it did way more for their positive PR than like any meme could have naturally done. And now they are forcing it so hard. It like hurts. Well, that's when people like change their name. They used to change their name on Twitter. Oh Yeah to something like weird and i'm like you're just making it confusing now so when you post something controversial now i don't know who you are but i i would love yeah it's i i find the digital impact on april fool's day um something that we should study um uh and i i just find it very interesting um let's move on to our movie i feel like we've we've briefed the audience long enough um this week we are continuing yeah. in our theme of how has Craig not seen this movie? It's practically written for him. And we are watching the 2010 superhero parody. Would you call this a superhero parody or is it just a superhero movie? It's, I thought about this. Like, is this a satire? Is this making, because Watchmen is like a commentary. look at superheroes from a different lens. Like it's something else. Yeah. You know, um, this is not dissimilar to that. I think this is closer to Watchmen than it is the MCU or DCEU. You know what I mean? Okay. Regardless, if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can skip to this time code right here. (laughs) I know. I know. Time code, 26 minutes, 35 seconds. You've never seen this movie before. I've seen this movie before, and uh, this is better than I remember it. So, I... This was the movie that I was least looking forward to in the lineup because I used to have a desk job at my first college where after a certain time period, we could just like use our laptops and watch movies or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So I started this movie at my desk job and I got like, I I remember exactly how far I got and it was not far. I'm going to tell you how far it was. And you're like, Craig, you didn't even give this movie a chance. And I got to the point where they were in the diner in the intro and they were talking about whatever they were talking about. And then the rich guy rolls up. Yeah. And so just like the way that dialogue was going, I'm like, ugh, no thanks. Not a fan. And so I kind of bailed and I didn't kind of bail. I 100% bailed. And, um, so knowing that we were going back to this, I was, um, not super looking forward to it, but I still wanted to give this movie a chance. And something that definitely changed my opinion on this going into it was like the day before I watched this movie, I learned that it has the same director as all the Kingsman movies, which is the franchise I will go to bat for until the day I die. And so when I learned that, I'm like, okay, so maybe I might like this movie a little. Right. Um, and then I watched it and I'm like, Damn it, Matthew Vaughn, you have my number. You've got me down to a T. You know me inside and out. Um, this movie I'm just is- glad, like, the movies, how have you not seen this? People are exactly right. Yeah. 
Like, we know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> and so this movie is good. It's not great. There are, I have a lot of problems with it. Um, but it, as far as like superhero comedies go, I mean, like as far as movies go, like strictly speaking, cinematically, this movie is Deadpool before Deadpool. And, and so it shows in the humor, it shows in the action, it shows in the kinds of characters that it brings in. And I want to say Aaron Taylor Johnson, I knew he was the titular role. When I watched this movie, I had to double check because I'm like, this doesn't look like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I've seen Aaron Taylor Johnson in a bunch of things. This does not look like Aaron Taylor Johnson, but it very it's much the is. long hair. It's him young. Yeah. Like he was 19 when he did this. So he was actually like, it was so believable that he was just like a senior in high school. Yeah. And, like, um, and also like, um, this is the nerdiest we've seen him. I think every other role that I've seen Aaron Taylor Johnson do, he's like the cool guy. He's the older brother in, I mean, they're twins, but like he's the brother in Avengers and he's the suave guy in bullet train and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing Aaron Taylor Johnson in this. Um, however, runaway, runaway performance is Chloe Grace Moretz. Like straight up. I, yeah. it's one of those performances where you look at it and you're like, I don't believe that you're 13. I believe that you were just a small 25 year old with a lot of experience and you're fooling us all, but she's yeah, fantastic. But I mean, she this. just looks so young. So I think in the movie she says she's like 11. I'm like, Oh, I believe it. Yeah. That is so believable. So and dude, she was Nick Cage, bro. Yeah, she was 12 when they filmed this movie. 12 or 13. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, and the, her character says like I'm 11 or whatever. And I'm like it's it is spot on. Her casting as far as her age goes and Taylor's Taylor Joy. His on dude, I'm like it's believable. You're the age you are, and I feel like movies never get that right. Like they're always older. Yeah. Um so like even his romantic interest, I'm like, she's not in high school. This is a college kid. And she and she was, but I'm just like, when they just nail it, I'm like, I freaking love it, dude. It's and it's obviously these guys have a great acting background. So these are not like bad actors. Um and Chloe, she knew the part and she executed exactly what you would expect from that character. Yeah. Um the only actor in this movie that I think gave I'm not going to call it a bad performance because it's what the character demanded. I just found it incredibly grating. And it's Chris D'Amico, the Red Mist. Yeah. Every, every scene he's in, I'm like, no thanks, I'm good. See, here's the thing. I, extremely necessary character. Yes, and also 100%. Uh-huh. Like, very 2010 character. Yeah. Um, I think it's the actor for me. Like yeah. for every time he's on screen, I'm like, this movie just takes me back to 2007. And I always feel like I'm watching an old movie. Yeah. So um, um, the guy that we're talking about, his act, the his name is Christopher Mintz Plass. And he plays, um, he, he's in Superbad as well. He's the one that's not Michael Sarah or Jonah Hill. Um, yeah. And so once I saw him, I'm like, oh, that's the dude from Superbad. 
I didn't like Superbad very much. And then I, and then I saw this kid doing Red Mist, and I'm like, yeah, this tracks. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's typecasted as a not likable character, and he's he's played it in so many different movies that I don't like him anymore. <laughs> and I feel bad because, like, it's it's like you said, incredibly necessary character, and the way that this actor executes that character is exactly how you would expect someone to make to do that performance. I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I just did not buy into it. Or, yeah. No, I bought into it. I just didn't care for it. Um, yeah, I didn't. It didn't bother. It didn't take me out of it at all. I, there was a couple things that I didn't. So I liked this movie more than I liked it before. I think if I had to give what I, what I thought it, I was going to give going into it, it would probably been like a high five, low six. I enjoyed it much more this time around, partly because I got more jokes. Yeah. Also, I, I was, did I used to sleep on Nick Cage, bro? (laughs) And now I'm like, now that you know that he's in on it, like he knows. Yeah. It's so much more enjoyable. Um, Um, And also Mark Strong. I mean, he's Mark Strong. What can you say? I mean, so good. So good. Um, Yeah. And then. I mean, I was just impressed with everybody. Um, Aaron did great. Chloe did great, obviously. Even his friends, uh, Marty and Todd, great. Loved them. Yeah. <laughs> so the things about this movie that I did not... Is it too late to do a plot synopsis? It's this kid no, who... Sad. It's a, it can be a quick one. I don't yeah. think anyone's going to be blown like away. We, like we said, this guy is like a senior in high school. He wa- He's nerdy. He reads a bunch of comic books. Um, he wants to be a superhero, so he tries to be one. And on his first day, he gets the absolute crap beaten out of him. All of his nerve endings are dead, and he has a bunch of metal plates in him. So it makes him more resistant to pain, is basically his superpower, is he can take a punch. and um, But he is still not a good superhero. He's just bad at it. So you're, it's an incredibly realistic depiction of... What would happen if a real high school senior with an advantage, that's all he has. He doesn't have a power. He has an advantage. Um, and I mean, like this kid can't fight at all. And so it's about this kid. It's a real, it's a very like comedic, but realistic, um, interpretation of like, what would happen if a high schooler tried to be a Batman like superhero? Um, and (laughs) <laughs> that first scene where he puts on the costume and goes, all right, let's do something about it. I forgot that happened. I didn't remember most of this movie. I only remembered the, the, um, how do I, I'm, I mean, spoilers when Nick Cage gets caught on fire. I remember that whole scene. I didn't sure. remember anything else from this movie. So when he goes up to face his own, his first bad guys and he just catches a knife to the stomach. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this, and then gets I don't hit by a car. <laughs> Yeah, and then gets hit by a car, dude. When that happens, I'm like, this is gonna be sweet. And then obviously he has issues with the nerve endings, but he still like feels pain. It just doesn't hurt as much. And so um, this movie really succeeds with being an action comedy. It is the kind of action comedy that you don't see much anymore. Like I said, you see it in Deadpool, and that's like the only other movie that accomplishes this level of action comedy to such a successful rate. Um, I was laughing at jokes. 
every fight scene with Hit Girl was fantastic. That scene where she first breaks into that apartment and just starts stabbing people in the Dude, legs. I'm like, I, yeah. This movie sets the tone of, oh, we're not doing Batman rules. Yeah. We're no. just killing people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, like I said, this movie is directed by the same guy that directed the Kingsman movies. And you can tell where the stepping stones for Kingsman are laid in this movie. Like, the precise, like, knife play, the um, specific camera work that goes around in all this. Like, it has a style to it that you know is going to grow into something greater. Um, now, I will talk about some things that I didn't like about this movie. Um, at a certain point, I wanted to see Kick-Ass be a good superhero. And um, he does Where get Where there's his- like a training montage and all of a sudden he's good. And we do the training montage, but he still sucks. <laughs> and like, I get yes. it. That's, and that's part of the joke. I get it. But he is so helpless in major situations. You almost wit. You almost wonder why the movie's not about hit girl. Um, <laughs> I just, I just love how it's, it doesn't deviate, deviate away from this guy is normal. Yes, yes. Even with training, he's normal. Even with weapons, he's normal. Even when he has superhero friends, he is normal. He's gonna end up dead or catch any opportunity to catch a bullet, he's going to catch a bullet. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I love that. So that was one thing I didn't love. Like I said, Red Mist was kind of a rough character all around. Um, And I was watching this movie and man, I kind of wish this movie was 90 minutes and not two hours. Um, yep, I did. I did feel that as well because there was a point towards the end. Okay, we're getting into full spoiler territory. Um, like Alex mentioned, there's a scene where Nick Cage's character, who is Hit Girl's uh, father, um, he gets set on fire and he dies, and she rescues Kickass from the same situation, and they kind of put it all to bed in just enough of a vague way where like they could end this movie now and make the bigger problem part of the sequel. And so they kind of do like this like ceremonious moment and then they get ready to do the actual final action scene. And I'm like, Oh, we th- we're not done. Oh, we, I forgot. We haven't solved the problem yet. And Like, everything that happened after that moment was still cool and good, but there was definitely, like, that one final, like, action sequence is a make-or-break kind of moment. Yeah. I don't know why, but I... Because this movie is joking so much that when someone dies, usually it's low stakes, but, like, when Nick Cage dies, I'm like, I don't like this. (laughs) I really... I want him to live. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that kind of bummed me out. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was, it's good. So, my problems with it, very similar to yours, is it's just a little too long. I don't know where they would cut it, but it is a little too long. Um, I wanted more of his interaction with his friends, but that just didn't happen. Um, I feel like there was a lot of time that he spent with Red Mist that I didn't care about. Like, there was a lot of cuts to just the car driving and i'm like uh, okay cool i'll tell you the sequence that i feel like 
was maybe edited a little clunkily. And it's the sequence where um, they're going to the warehouse and they find that it's on fire. Like, yeah, that the leads- him meets up and then he's like, well, you should call your friends. OK, oh, no. How did that get set up? That whole sequence is weird. Yeah, because it's three different parties all unaware of a missing piece that the way that scene handles it, I feel like we were also left out of the loop for something that we knew Um, because Red Mist is taking Kick-Ass to a warehouse to lead him into a trap. That's the point is he's leading him into a trap. And so they get to the warehouse and it's on fire and everybody has already evacuated. However, or died or whatever. However, the scene previous to that, we see everybody in the warehouse. Like we see all the goons and bad guys in the warehouse and they hear, oh, what is that? We need to go check it out. Um, And so those, the way those scenes were sequenced felt a little disjointed. And so when Red Mist and Kick-Ass show up to the warehouse and it's on fire, I'm like, I know this is supposed to be important, but I don't know why yet. Also, the whole like trying to find my way out. I'm like, this is, I don't know. I feel like every scene could just be a little bit shorter and we could have saved time. So that's, I had more beef with that. Also, like there was a lot of scenes just to show that the bad guys were bad guys, like cutting off fingers, putting a dude in a microwave. That scene like, was kind of cool. I like the microwave I, scene. It was cool, but I'm like, we're spending a lot of time just saying the bad guys are really bad. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Can we just so, shorten those a little bit? So there is a scene towards the beginning of the movie. Um, and an important piece of context for what I'm about to describe is Nick Cage's character, when he is in his superhero persona, dresses almost identically to Batman. And so... In yeah, the begin- that's the joke. It's like a Batman costume, but he cut the ears off. And so in the beginning of the movie, before we even see Nick Cage in this pseudo Batman suit, a guy is being interrogated and they keep bringing up Batman in this interrogation scene. And it feels kind of like a hacky joke because it's like, oh, they're referencing this big pop culture thing. Okay, haha, we're all saying Batman. Okay, everybody has said Batman. Let's move on. And you don't realize, or at least I didn't realize, until like the second or third time I saw Nick Cage in his superhero outfit where I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Oh, you didn't get that? I caught that immediately. He's like, he looks like Batman. Are you saying he's Batman? I'm like, no, but he wears a cape and he has, it's black and he has a yellow tool belt. And be like, so he's Batman. He's like, but I'm not saying he's Batman. And then that joke pays off when you see him and he looks identical. Yes. And so like, I recognize that he looked like Batman instantly. I just like yeah. did not make the hindsight. The, the joke did not pay off for me. They should have been closer together. Yes. There's like 15 minutes in between those two scenes. I mean, I'm going off memory now, but there's too big of a gap for the punchline to make sense. Yeah, and enough and enough things happen between those two things to where you're like you're not looking for it. Right. Um so, I mean, it's I mean the movie as far as superhero movies go is way funnier than what you're expecting. Yes. And here we are in, and also the landscape of superhero culture has changed drastically since this movie came out. So 
there are definitely some moments in this movie where you're like, yeah, this movie was definitely made in 2010 or 2009. Right. Um, but all things can, it's not the entirety of the movie. So if you're thinking about, should I watch kick-ass? Like, would it hold up? Yes. There are some moments where you're like, well, that's not exactly how things played out, but okay. Um, but other than that, like it doesn't, I don't think it's as much of a commentary on superhero culture. Like Watchmen is like you brought up. Um, yeah. but it is definitely like, I, I think it's kind of a superhero parody, but it's also not like poking fun at any one thing specifically. Um, so it's kind of an amalgamation of genres in the sense where it's easy to just say it is a, it is an action comedy with some superhero type beats in it. Right. Um, and if you feel like, oh, I have superhero fatigue, I've watched too many comic book movies, I feel like this movie stands out enough to where you're not going to be worn down in the same way. Yeah, um, I feel that for sure. I mean, there's just not a lot of... Now, okay, so Deadpool has powers. This is kind of like The Boys, and he's Huey. <laughs> sure, yeah, for sure. That's pretty close. So, like, we the, the thing is, like you were saying before... Now that all of the superhero stuff has come out, this seems less original. But like this did at first, so none of these other examples we're comparing it to existed for the most part. So it, yeah, I liked it. I was surprised. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Yeah. Um. And you know what? I am gonna put this in the same place that I put Little Shop. I'm gonna put this at a seven seven five. And I'm gonna give it a seven flat. Yeah. For- it's just like it's not. It's a little campy which kind of like teeters it towards you. Yeah. Um, but it's it's still good. Still, I still liked it. I think for me personally, Chloe Grace Moretz, her character annoyed me and she's in a lot of the movie. She's a good actress, but I think it comes down to like personal preference. Like something about her kept this from being an eight. Sure. But um, it but, is what it is. I recommend yeah. this to movie people who like the boys, who like Deadpool. This is right up your alley. For sure. Um, okay. Oh, we didn't talk about the big thing that we were. I was trusting you because you said, um, movie show improv comedy. I'm like, you could have just said comedy, but like, he knows what he's doing. And then you didn't say anything. I'm like, I'm letting this guy steer the ship, but you can talk about it now if you want. Yeah. We'll talk about it now and I'll bring it up first thing in the next episode. So you don't get jump scared like this again. (laughs) Okay. And the worst part is I had it in my head. Like, don't forget to talk about it. Don't forget to talk about it. So we mentioned on the show a few weeks ago how we were going to do an all hands meeting. And so what that all hands meeting basically boiled down to was we are restructuring the podcast in a way that makes it more conversational and less segment driven. And so the consequence of that, and I'm just going to rip the bandaid off is we have officially killed the improv segment. It's gone. Sayonara. And the reason being is because we feel like the improv segment wasn't consistently funny enough, and it always put us in a time scrape where we'd be reaching like 50, 55 minutes into the recording, and we're like, we haven't even started the one hit yet, and we still have free balling to go. So we are restructuring in a way that removes the improv segment We are keeping the middle and one hit for now, but those are also easily liquefiable. (laughs) Um, 
We are not married to either. That we're keeping those so that way Alex and I don't roll up to the podcast completely unprepared like we would every week if not given a structure. So we're keeping the middle segment in, in one hit for now, mostly so we can have jumping off points so that way we can continue to talk without feeling pressured by time constraints or rules that we've put for ourselves that we rules that we gave ourselves three and a half years ago <laughs> that we are yeah that we I'll, chained dude, ourselves right after to. we had that conversation i went downstairs i'm like i'm starting to think we should have had the all hands more often than once every three years <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like with yeah. that being said we're gonna move into the middle segment and also the middle segment now properly in the middle yeah. Dis- <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Alex, what man. do we got? We're doing actor acumen. This is a eleven question test. It's multiple choice. Um, obviously, we have a point system that changes every single time. Where I'll give the question. If he can get it without multiple choice, it's three points. If he can get it once I give him the options, it's two points. And then I'll give him a hint. We'll make it one point if you can get it after that. Okay. Piece of cake, dude. Follow along at home. You'll catch on quick. All right. Question number one. Um, actors who have voiced dogs in movies. I just want to say, g- he's never given me the category before. Every time previous, he's made me guess the category. Right. Do you want to do that again now? Do you want let's, to? Let's do it for a few of them. And if right. I hate it, we'll pivot. But we already started okay. this one. So actors so that we'll have do voiced next dogs. One. Okay, actors who have voiced dogs. Which one of these has not? Drew Barrymore, Jamie Foxx, Bill Murray, Kevin Costner. Bill Murray is the immediate red flag because he voiced Garfield. And I feel like he wouldn't do a dog after doing Garfield. Especially because I know how hard he worked on Garfield and how it didn't pay off. And how Um, he got surprised into doing Garfield. So I can't imagine he would do another voiceover role like that, but I could also be like you, like like given the runaround in like Secret Life of Pets or something like that. Jamie Fox, I know is straight. I know that. Yes, we're good. Yep. And Drew, Drew Barrymore, Barrymore, Kevin Costner is giving me huge <laughs> Homeward Bound vibes. Oh, dude, I forgot about that movie. Okay, now I'm changing my strategy a little bit based Homeward on your reaction bound? to that. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Who's in that? It's Michael That movie J. came Fox? out in 93. So I'm just like, Mike, yeah, Michael J. Fox, Sally Field. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a little, to... little before, <laughs> before our time. Drew Barrymore? Eh, 50-50. She could have done it. Um, okay. The Continue with your thought process. Kevin Costner. Kevin? Kevin Costner. Kevin I think it's Costner. safe to say that if I would have gave you these names, you would have no clue oh, what the category absolutely is. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> hey, are the rest of the categories like this? Maybe. Uh, if, hey, yeah. I just want to say, if we have 11 <laughs> categories, just give them to me. You there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of weird ones. That in part. Okay, okay, sweet. So I'm going to stick to my guns and say Bill Murray. Bill Murray's correct. Mm. Jamie Foxx, Strays, Drew Barrymore, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh my God, you're so And Kevin right. Costner did The Art of Racing in the Rain. Oh, okay. Uh, I was really hoping next... you'd say like Josh Gad, and I'm like, dog's purpose, know that one. <laughs> yeah, dude, you freaking nailed it. Uh, 
Next to uh, number two, actors who married a co-star. Okay. So they were in a movie and like, wow, the chemistry is so good. I'm going to marry you. Doesn't mean they're still together. You got Ryan Gosling, Eva Mendes. You got Javier Bardem and Penelope. You got Cruz is her last name in case you were sitting at the edge of your seat. Well, I decide, I realized I'm doing this question wrong because I wasn't supposed to give you their spouse name. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to do it for the last two. <laughs> well, okay. George Clooney and Tom Cruise. So I know so, it's not Tom of, Cruise because Tom Cruise and Kate Winslet got married. Or Nicole Kidman. Sorry, Nicole Kidman. So Ryan Gosling, um, Tom Cruise, Javier Bardem, George Clooney, who, who didn't marry a co-star. Yeah, I know Tom Cruise married a co-star, or at the yep. very least, co-starred with his spouse. Okay, um, yeah. And Javier Bardem is just one of those people I know nothing about. And so, like, I don't know who he's been married to. I know I know nothing about him. He's the wild card. Okay. George Clooney, I feel like, is a... I know he is married, and he's not married to somebody in the industry. But I don't know if this is his first marriage or not. Right. So he could have married for a long time. Yeah, he could He's have been, married. He was a child someone. actor, right? Um, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, because he did. I, he oh, did. He uh, um, yeah, when he was a kid, he was on uh, sitcoms. Okay, I only know him from ER forward. But um, gotcha. And who was the first one? Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Go- Gosling, definitely. Because didn't he? I think is no, that was Michelle Williams. Because hmm. Man, you are spinning out of control Because I was thinking about Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams in Blue Valentine. And I'm like, no, nah, that's kind of weird. That'd be a weird movie to marry your co-star over. Um, yeah. Gosling, Cruz, Javier Bardem, George Clooney, who didn't marry a co-star. I'm going to say Ryan Gosling has not married a co-star. He did marry a co-star. He married Eva Mendes right after a movie. He said he fell in love with her in that movie. And I should have. Okay, hold on. So now I'm going to take my second guess um, because I should have not guessed him based on the fact that you gave me uh, Eva Mendez. Now, by that same logic, I should also not guess Javier Bardem because you also gave me Penelope Cruz. I, so I, I guess, that leaves, I guess yeah. that leaves George Clooney. I'm going to say George Clooney. I'm going to give you George Clooney by half a point because I messed that up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Last one. Uh, last one. Number three of 11. <laughs> I'm so fed up. I'm like, we're just going to stop it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Which of these actors has not starred in a movie they directed? Uh, Starred is the operating word here. Um, So they have not starred in a movie they directed. Bradley Cooper. It's a freebie. If you didn't get that, I mean, I swear (laughs) to God. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Denzel. If if you didn't get that at home, are you really Watch a movie. Uh, (laughs) Watch a movie. Denzel Washington, Jackie Chan, Kate Winslet. Denzel and Kate Winslet are the two I'm running with right now. Just because I don't know of any Kate Winslet directed things, but that's not to say that she hasn't. But I genuinely can't think of a Denzel directed movie. And that just might be my ignorance. But like every famous Denzel movie, not a Denzel directed movie. Training Day, not him. So like... It's a big actor he works, uh, director he works with all the time. Um, so I'm going to go with my gut and say Denzel. He's directed two movies. He is starred in. Antoine Fisher and Fences. Oh, I didn't know he directed Fences. Okay. I mean, me either. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you want to take a second guess? You did with the last nope. one. Nope, because you didn't mess that one up. That one's all me, bud. Uh, Kate Winslet, dude. Dang it. Uh, uh, Jackie Chan directed Please Story 2. Good for him. And then Bradley Cooper's directed a billion things. He's directed uh, like two. <laughs> he's directed four, Star is Born and Maestro, but a billion. Because um, he talks about it so much and it's a big person. Yeah. Uh, question four. Uh, which of these actors had n- has not appeared in more than one franchise? Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Denzel, Dwayne Johnson. Okay. So Sigourney Weaver, Alien, and Avatar. Out of the question. Nailed it. Yep. Um, you got it. What was the first one you said? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, Star Wars, and Indiana Jones, obviously. Yep, got it. Denzel. So what are Johnson. we? So what are we considering? Franchise, a franchise is three movies or more. Whatever you think a franchise is, that's what I think a franchise is. <laughs> okay. So, so we're talking yeah. reboots, remakes in the universe of. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay. So Denzel Equalizer. That's one. And what was the other actor you said? DJ Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Now, this is the red herring, because I feel like he should be in more franchises, but isn't. And now, Jumanji's kind of a gray area here. We... And so, if I were to say Dwayne Johnson, I would say because Jumanji's of... not one of them. Okay. I, would I say thought be... about it, but I'm going to take that off the table. Okay. Because I was going to say Jumanji and DCU. So, I... F- this is really tough. This is genuinely really tough. So I'm who has say, not been in at least two? More than say, one. You know what? I'm going to go for the red herring. and uh, I'm going to feel so stupid when I say it. I'm going to go for the red herring and I'm going to say Dwayne Johnson. He's in Fast and Furious, bro. We watched all of them. Oh my God, you're right. Black Adam. You got DCEU. Uh, Forgot he was in Fast and Furious. I'm so ashamed of myself. (laughs) God, I feel stupid. And it's not even like I could think of a different Denzel franchise. Like, I'm like, I based it purely off of you trying to mess with me. And I shouldn't have done that. All right. Well, we're on to question five. We'll see if it happens again. Who has not done a movie with um, a parent-child combo. Is so I'm going to give you combos of a parent and a child. I'm not giving you Will Smith. I thought about it. <laughs> but this is parent-child combos. Who has not made a movie together? Ben Stiller, Jerry Stiller, John Voight, oh. and Angelina Jolie, Arnold and Katherine Schwarzenegger, Kurt Russell, Kate Hudson. Who? Oh, Kurt? my bet. Katherine Schwarzenegger's... Is, did she keep her last name or is she Pratt now? Um, it doesn't matter. She's not going to come for the podcast and see me. doesn't matter. Uh, so, Arnold, Kathleen Schwarzenegger, John Voight, Angelina Jolie, Ben Stiller, Jerry Stiller, Kurt Russell, Kate Hudson. So John Voight and um, Angelina Jolie, I'm going to say that one happened just because John Voight is one of those actors that's been in like 10,000 movies. Yeah, he like, just sneaks up on you. Didn't know he yeah. was in the movie. Okay. And I'm also going to say that Kate's, Kate Hudson and Kurt Russell has also happened because, again, Kurt Russell Pops up where you least expect him. Um, okay, so Ben so, Stiller and Jerry Stiller versus Arnold and Katherine Schwarzenegger. And again, Ben Stiller and Jerry Stiller are the red herring here because you and I have discussed this before where like 
Jerry Stillers, like they're both comedic dynamos, but of different eras. So I don't know if they like intersected at all. Um, and then Schwarzenegger, I feel like hasn't been in enough stuff to like warrant making, like you make a movie with your daughter when you have the legs to do it. And I don't know if such an opportunity has come across Mr. Schwarzenegger's desk. Um, but I went with the red herring last time, so I'm not going to do that this time. And I'm going to say that the Schwarzeneggers have not made a movie together. It is the Schwarzeneggers. Yes. Stillers did Zoolander. Yeah, I kind of Kurt figured. Russell and Kate Hudson did Deepwater Horizon. And Voight and Jolie did Tomb Raider. All right. Craig, this is just straight facts. You should be able to nail this. Okay. If you were able to guess any of these questions, you'd be able to nail this one. Highest grossing actress by box office. Got it. Zoe Saldana. Which one, of these, which one of these is not in the top three? Oh, okay. Scarlett Johansson, Zoe Saldana, Kate Blanchett, Emma Watson. This one? So Zoe Saldana is definitely up there. She's been in two avatars. Like, yeah. she's running away with that. Um, yep. Emma Watson has been... There's no way she's not. So Kate Blanchett is the one I'm worried about because... There might be movies you just don't know she was in yeah movies i don't know she was in i think thor ragnarok is doing a lot of heavy lifting in this for her she is Um, on the list of i gave reasons for all of these in case you need to be reminded uh that was one of the ones i wrote down yeah and so but the problem is like scarjo's an end game like (laughs) yeah she kind of got lucky with that one so i think i have to say kate blanchett nope dude she was in Lord of the Rings. Oh and my the god, Hobbit. you're right. Oh my god. <laughs> it was uh, actually Emma Watson. She's six on the list, dude. Okay, well, come on. <laughs> I was gonna pick a slub, dude. I had to make it hard. <coughs> I think I'm gonna say Sydney Sweeney. What are we talking about, bro? The pros. <laughs> All right, question number seven. Which of these uh actors have not been on Broadway? Okay. Robin Williams, Hugh Jackman. Steve Buscemi, Danny DeVito. Um, Hugh Jackman was in The Music Man on Broadway, and Danny DeVito did a play on Broadway. So it's not either of them. Robin um, Williams, Steve Buscemi are who you have left then. So Robin Williams, I feel like you could get me on a technicality here where like he might have done like a Mike, Berbib- Mike Berbiglia where he did like a stand-up show on Broadway. Um but not one that I can think of off the... T- I don't know his specials that well, so I, I can't clock that like that. Um, Steve Buscemi feels like he would do, like, plays, though. He seems like that kind of guy. Um, so those are the two I'm battling between. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Steve Buscemi was never on Broadway. Nailed it, dude. Robin Williams did, was on Broadway in 2011 in The Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo. Okay. But you got it, Steve Buscemi. All right, this one's just straight up hard. Uh, this is not the. <laughs> this is pick the one. So there's one answer um, for who has done this. Everyone else has not done this. Okay. Who has won an Oscar for best supporting and leading actor? Okay. Uh, Mahersha Ali. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anthony Hopkins, Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando. Man, you think I know what awards Marlon Brando has won? <laughs> God. <laughs> Okay, so Mahershala Ali and supporting. I feel like he would have won supporting for Moonlight and 
Oh, do I make this question even harder? No, shut up. They've all I, no, won shut up. two. Shut up. Um, Mahershala Ali probably won Supporting for Moonlight and Best Actor for Green Book. I feel like it's some combination of Moonlight and Green Book because both of those movies got hella Oscar buzz. Um, Anthony Hopkins won Best Leading for The Father and Best Leading for Silence of the Lambs. I can't think of a movie he would have won Best Supporting for unless Transformers The Last Night really got a f***ing sneak <laughs> in there. Um, who was the third one? Uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Sure, man. Why not? You know what? <laughs> you also have Marlon Brando in there. And well. I got nothing for him, and you know that. So <laughs> Sometimes I'm... I got to give you a hard one and just see if you want to risk it. And so I'm going to say... Anthony Hopkins has only won Best Leading Actor, not Best Supporting Actor. No, I'm saying which of these four has won both. I know. Oh, okay. So it's not Anthony Hopkins. It's not Jack Nicholson. It's Mahershala Ali, Marlon Brando. Not Marlon Brando. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Mahershala Ali. I'm going to say it was some come. What? He won Supporting for Moonlight and Green Book. Didn't win. Oh, day. Marlon Brando. Has won uh, leading twice. I mean, do you want to guess the movies? No, <laughs> well, of course you know not. No, of course not. <laughs> Are Superman? you sure? Do you want to take a swing? <laughs> did he get? A, I don't know. Uh, did he get an Oscar for Superman? <laughs> no, on the waterfront, and then The Godfather. He won leading for both. Sure. Uh, Anthony Hopkins leading for you were spot on, dude. Silence of the Lambs and The Father. Jack Nicholson won leading and supporting. Um, I was gonna do it the other way around, but uh, it turns out that's hard. He actually won three Oscars. One flew over, flew over the cuckoo's nest, leading. As good as it gets, leading. And turns of endearment, supporting. Kills it, bro. So Jack Nicholson right. was the answer? He was the answer. Okay. Um, Number nine. Which of these actors have made five or more movies with one director? Okay, man. So now you're looking for, yeah, the one who has done this. Five or more, five or more movies with one director. Jeff Goldblum. Diane Keaton. Come on, Jonah man. <laughs> Sometimes I gotta make it hard. Jonah Hill. Joe Pesci. Jonah Hill has definitely made five movies with Judd Apatow. He's off the list. Wait, are you- No, I'm saying it? which one has? Which one has? Oh, then three Jonah of Hill. these have not. Yeah, Jonah Hill with Judd Apatow. Three? He only did three with Judd Apatow. No way. Yeah, he's only done three. Um, huh. Then my second guess would have been uh, Mr. Goldblum. He did- Four with Wes Anderson. Hasn't done more than Dang that. Dang it. And that's also who I was thinking of. <laughs> so Pesci or Keaton. Uh, you know what? Just for kicks and giggles, Keaton. Yep. She did uh, loads with Woody Allen because okay. they were married. Oh, that'll do it. Joe Pesci did three with uh, Scorsese. <clears throat> he, I didn't know I he was, married that old. De Niro and DiCaprio have done countless movies with Scorsese. <laughs> countless. Countless. All right, two left. I hate to tell you, but you're kind of in the hole. <laughs> you, you need to. <laughs> I want to say, do a I feel like, I feel like if we were grading on closeness, I'd be getting a B on this event overall. Yeah, C plus, B minus. <laughs> okay. Because you narrow it down to the right two half the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which of these people um, has made a movie with Nick Cage? Or they're in a movie that Nick Cage is in. I don't saying made a movie with is a little weird because that doesn't mean they're on screen at the same time. 
but they were in a movie that Nick Cage was also in. Which one has done it? Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, Tom Cruise, Chris Hemsworth. Tom Hardy, Tom I Cruise. I don't know, man. Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth. Who's done a movie with uh, Nick Cage? Who has done a movie? I feel like Tom Cruise is kind of the sneaky answer here. So, oh, wait, this no. Is one, this is one of those times where I'm like, you know, that now that I'm asking the question, I don't know what the answer is. Because <laughs> I would, I've had the answer written down, but you're saying these things. I'm like, have they done a movie together? I'm pretty sure. And so I'm thinking of, I, I got to work from Nick Cage out, right? I got I to gotta think of the movies that he's been in. National Treasure, Face Off, Con Air. I just um, Googled another person because they made me think about it. Two of these people have done a movie with Nick Cage. Can okay. You get one of them. 50-50 shot, dude. Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pine, Tom Cruise, and... Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, I don't feel like. I feel like they make different genres of movies, and Tom Cruise, or Tom Hardy, came on the scene a little later, and so did Chris Hemsworth. So I'm looking at Chris Pine and Tom Cruise here. I'm going to stop you there before you mess this up. Both of them have been in a movie with them. Prince of of Persia, Sands of Time was Nicolas Cage and Tom Cruise. And did you forget about Spider-Man Noir? Oh, I did. I totally did. And Peter Parker? Hey, those two characters never interact. Hey, Never interact in a movie together. I know. Don't know if they made a uh, movie together. Okay, okay. I know. Sweetie, I know. I'm just saying, you got to let me like work through this a little bit, okay? Yeah, I, I, I was like, you nailed it down to the correct two. Let's not, um, let me just stop you while you're ahead. So you got okay. both of those. Last one. Which of these people have played a couple more than once? Three of them have. Who has not played okay. a couple more than once? Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Oh. Jude Law and Kate Winslet. Jason Segal and Emily Blunt. Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. Three of these people have been couples in more than one movie. One of those pairings have not. My heart tends is leaning towards Newton-John and Travolta. Because, I know, everyone else you said, I know, it feels right. Um, Because, I'm going to be honest, the only two Olivia Newton-John movies I know are Grease and Xanadu. And I don't think John Travolta's (laughs) in Xanadu. And I don't think Olivia Newton-John is in Battlefield Earth. So I'm going to just make a quick answer and say Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. They reunited five years after Greece in a movie called Two of a Kind. Sure, man. Whatever. Do you want to take a second guess? No. Jude Law and Kate Winslet. They've never played a couple. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Should get together. You guys are cute. Yeah. Give it a shot. When you said it, it didn't sound right. So, but I kind of just like erased it from my memory as soon as you said it. That was cool. I mean, I, Jason Segal and Emily Blunt don't sound right in my head, but they were in Gulliver's Travels and Five Year Engagement together. And also Jason Segal's just done like a lot of like random movies that like, it doesn't surprise me. And then Jesse Osberg, Kristen Stewart did American Ultra, obviously. Yeah. And then they did a movie called Cafe Society. A Woody Allen Yeah, movie. when you said um, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart, I literally forgot that you listed them because I knew that they had. I'm like, well, I know they were in American Ultra together, and that movie's pretty niche, so I'm sure there's another <laughs> one I'm not thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Well, Craig, you got, of the 11, five. I'll take it. I mean, four and a half because of the Clooney thing, <laughs> yeah. And but you know, whatever, man. 
Well, and one of those was 50-50, but four and a half out of 11, not too bad. So for our one hit, I have... Holy crap, we're already at an hour? Yeah, dude, can you imagine if we had an improv segment tacked onto this? Jeez. Um, I'm sure in the editing bay it'll be like 50 minutes, but that's not the point. Okay, sure. so I have a list of the most popular cryptid in every U.S. state um, based on Google Trend search data over the last 12 months, and this was published in October of 2022. So in 2021, when everybody was locked in their homes, this is what every these are all the cryptids that everyone was searching for. And you and I are going to talk about these cryptids and how real we or how high of a chance these cryptids have of like being real. Dope, dude. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, first off, classic Bigfoot. Can't be real, dude. Now, Can't be let's real. be cl- let's be clear. People have gone like more than one person has been like, yeah, no, that picture was just me in a suit. So like people claim Bigfoot like at every opportunity they get because they want that clout. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was just a big f***ed up bear somewhere that we thought was Bigfoot for a little bit and we kind of just carried on the tradition. Yeah, I think that's my mentality is like people run into bears all the time. Like big animals are hard to hide is my mentality. So I feel pretty confident in saying that just can't be a thing. Sure. Um, up next is the chupacabra. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know enough about the chupacabra. You might need to b- brush me up. I remember being introduced to a chupacabra. Um, In person? <laughs> you got introduced? Yeah. What was his name? Yeah. Um, no, on Ben 10, like Ben gets an alien from a chupacabra and they treat <laughs> it with like, such seriousness that I'm like, oh yeah, chupacabras are real and this is just an alien one. So like, um, I would just totally believe that chupacabras are real. Kind of like in the inverse, how you think that like a narwhal is a mythological creature, but it's not. That's like the inverse of how I feel about chupacabras. Um, chupacabras are small though, right? Like in my head, when you, do you know what my problem is? Uh, you say chupacabra in my head, my brain's doing the math. It's like catybara. It's like, those are the same thing. Yeah. So, Capybara, um, yeah. um, I feel like someone would have shot it by now. America's got too many guns. <laughs> okay, now this is probably my favorite cryptid. No, it's not. Um, but I like this cryptid a lot, and it is the Loch Ness monster. Um, I would believe in the Loch Ness, Mo- Loch Ness monster if it wasn't contained into a lake. If it yeah. was in the ocean, I'd be like, yeah, it's totally possible. There just wouldn't be very many of them. Okay, um, so the Loch Ness is 21.9 or 21.8 square miles. 21.8 square miles is not a lot of miles. Yeah. Now, granted, this Some, is in Scotland yeah. where like the entire country of Scotland is like, I don't know, four streets and a dirt road. So like 22 square miles for a lock is a lot of their like land value. So I get it. But, like, you start telling me there's, like, a monster in Lake Superior, then I'll start believing you. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, like, shipwrecks we haven't found, like, in our lakes, in the Great Lakes. So, I'm like, if someone said something was down there, I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. It's terrifying down there. Yeah. Um, so, I get that. Uh, I if it It's only the fact that it's contained in the lock. So, maybe the lore's wrong. That's kind of the whole reason it's called the Loch Ness Monster. So, I, I, I also want to nip that in the bud. 
Now, people say that um, saying this name brings you bad luck. I've been saying it for like a decade and I know the worst I got was systematic depression. So, but um, the Wendigo, um, uh, I, yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah. That's real. Don't like, like that. And like, if you've ever played until dawn, like the Wendigos and until dawn are like kind of scary. And they put like a pretty like logical evolution of that monster. So I would imagine that like a Wendigo being just like, a mutated, um, decrepit human. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? People are weird. They also say like it's like a spirit that takes over the body of an animal. So that's when you see like it's so scary, bro. That when you just like see like raccoons walking on two legs. Um. And it's like a lot of people attribute that to like rabies and just being having rabid animals act weird and just like not being able to feel pain. Those would be the Wendigos, but like freaking scary stuff, dude. If I of the one so far, I hope this one isn't real, but it, it feels the most real. Um, and let's talk about obviously we're not going to talk about cryptids and not talk about the Michigan melon heads. And I have not heard that in like fifteen years. <laughs> so um. the Michigan melon heads are exactly what it sounds like. Where you know, um, Michigan has a lot of like. I'm only, I'm going to compare it to another state. It has a lot of like Ohio style cornfields where there's a lot of roads that lead into more populated areas that are just empty. It's all woods. And a lot of people drive these roads at night in the fog. It is a common occurrence. And a consequence of that is an urban legend starting of the Michigan melon heads where you are just driving through the woods and a melon headed man will like try to like fuck you up. Like <laughs> they are not passive creatures. Like if they, like if you like stop your car or like around like a Michigan melon head, they like try to break into your car. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> That's so funny to me, dude. Um, uh, yeah, I think here's the thing. I don't believe in the Michigan melon heads. Remember when those clowns things were real? Oh People my just dress god! Up as clowns yeah. and just be on the street with weapons. Yeah, that it's the same thing, just with melon heads. That's real. Yeah, but we have footage of it, so that makes me less believe in melon heads. Um. So yeah, that's just a quick list of cryptids. I find cryptids interesting in the sense that like they're fun to talk about, but like I'm not in any way, shape, or form like going out hunting for them, trying to find proof, anything like that. But it, Have you ever watched it, like an or ever enjoyed um, ghost hunting shows or movies? The only ghost hunting show I watched, and let me pull up the name of it so I'm being specific. Um, <laughs> you might know where I'm going with this before I say it. There was an era in Cartoon Network history where they were doing live action shows. They did Destroy Build Destroy with Andrew WK. They did a show oh, called Hole in about that. They did a show called Hole in the Wall, which was a game show where you had to like put your body inside these um cutouts and walls. And the other show they did was called The Other Siders. And it was like a ghost hunting show for kids. And I watched every episode of that show, Alex. Huh. This sounds familiar. I don't know if I ever watched it. My problem here's my biggest problem with ghost hunting shows. It's all through night vision goggles. Yes, so it's that all like is, black and that white. That is tough. 
or it's green. I'm like, I want to see stuff. Turn the lights on. That's like my biggest problem with it. Um, I don't, I think ghost spirits are real. Um, I don't know if you would, I don't think all the ones on television aren't, but just freaking turn the lights on. bro. So that show came out when I was in the process of moving from one house to another house and the house that we were moving in had a known death in the house. And I remember being a kid and (laughs) what I was like 11. So I was fascinated by like flash technology. So like my parents had a digital camera and I would go into dark rooms and take a picture with the flash on just because I thought it was interesting to take a picture in a dark room, but still be able to see a picture from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember taking a photo in this room with a giant glass door and the flash went off and I looked at the picture and I saw like this orb in the image. And I'm like, it's a ghost. It's a, I've been watching this ghost hunting show and they keep talking about these orbs and these pictures they're taking. This is an orb. This is a ghost orb. And then like three years later when I was, you know, not 11, I thought about it again. And I was like, no, that was just the flash reflecting off the glass door <laughs> that I was pointed directly at. Huh? Interesting. And so that was kind of an anticlimactic end to my to my ghost passion. <laughs> I just don't like when I'm watching something scary and I'm starting to believe in stuff. Things in my house start making noise or falling. I... <laughs> it bothers me so much. <laughs> um. So this also happened when I was in the process of moving. Maybe moving just scares me. But I was... Um, <laughs> This was after I had graduated my community college. So I was like 19. Um, And I was reading this book about an author who was staying in the house of a serial killer. Um, The book's called Within These Walls. I actually liked it a lot. But I was staying in like an Airbnb in between moving between places. And I just remember reading that book about a strange house with haunted spirits. And then I'm like, okay, that's enough reading. And then I closed the book, turned off the light, went to bed. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in a strange house. What if there are ghosts here? (laughs) What is this movie? This book's about me. (laughs) So I totally understand. Yeah, dude, this happened twice. It happened during the witch. Cause I was watching that at two o'clock in the morning for a 24 month. And then I also, it happened during talk to me for a 24 horror, except for talk to me stuff that was happening. That was loud, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, of the movies, I, I wish stuff wasn't making noise right now. And I'm, I was just, it was not a, not a good time, bro. Not a good time. Would not recommend, you know, ghosts wouldn't recommend ghosts. Spirits. Wouldn't recommend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So free balling. Um, I want to start with my things. Sure. So I have decided that this year on top of getting like 200 movies, like I did last year, I want to knock out some of the smaller franchises that I've been kind of ignoring. Um, and so the first one that I watched or that I'm working my way through is the alien franchise. Now alien is not a small franchise. There's six with a seventh on the way, but it was a little more <laughs> approachable than like, any of these 10 movie franchises like Jason Bourne. If even though there are probably the same number of Jason Bourne movies, I got to get to that later. Right. Um, That's fair. So we watched alien, the first alien on small and tall for our 2022 Halloween episode. Um, 
and you can listen to my review. I liked it, didn't love it. It was cool. Um, so I watched Aliens, the second Alien movie, directed by James Cameron, and I liked it on a purely technical level. I did not find it very entertaining, thrilling, or scary. Like, okay. this movie is not trying to be scary. This one's way more action than horror. Um, But I just didn't care for any of the characters. I felt like the stakes were a lot lower. I just, like, didn't really vibe with the premise. That being said, it is an incredibly well-made movie. The xenomorphs are beautiful. The sets are amazing. The practical effects blow you away. It is one of those movies where like you look at it and you're just like, yeah, they just don't make movies like this anymore. And so even though I didn't enjoy it on an entertainment level, as someone who watches a bunch of movies, I thought that this movie still carries a lot of practical weight. So honestly, for that reason alone, it gets a flat seven. Um, do you want to go back and forth or just want to hit all of them? Sure, because I got one more. I only have one more. And it is Alien 3 or Alien Cubed, if you're nasty. Um, <laughs> this movie is directed by David Fincher. It's David Fincher's directorial debut. And this movie is just bad. Um, David Fincher has gone on record saying that he does not like the project. It has incredible studio interference. And he didn't even bother watching the... Um, re-edited version so i agree (laughs) the same problems that i had with the last movie persist in this one all of the characters suck even more so than the last one there's one engaging character and they kill him halfway through the movie um so i didn't like any of the characters and now they're introducing cgi which is 1992 cgi which means it's rough and so there are still There are still practical xenomorphs in this movie. And the practical xenomorphs are really cool. The most iconic shot from, like, the entire Alien franchise is in this movie. And it's that shot of Sigourney Weaver, like, hiding in the bathroom with a xenomorph, like, effectively licking the side of her face. That's from this movie. It is the only good shot in this movie. (laughs) Because there are scenes where like the xenomorph is like scurrying in the background, Mm -hmm. like how horror movies like to do, but it's with the worst CGI you've ever seen. And you're just like, why is that PS2 alien scurrying in the background? Jeez, man. Um, so I'm going to continue watching them. Um, if you watch the second aliens and you're like, eh, I don't know if this is like worthy of a franchise for me. Just stop. Just yeah, stop you, there. You're good. Point made. You, you got it. Um, and so so I've been making this complaint to people around work, and they've been like, oh, if that's your problem with Alien, then like you'll love Predator. So I guess I got to f***ing watch Predator now. Yeah. <laughs> I watched. Anyway, those are my things. What do you got? Elemental, finally. Courtesy of you and your Disney. Uh, this movie made me cry almost a few, almost made me cry a few times, made me cry once. This movie's good, bro. Uh, the allegory is painfully obvious, but that didn't bother me. Um, it just like the translate, the, it's such a metaphor for right now, like the immigration story, ra- blatant racism, stereotyping. It's the everything building community, uh, community for yourself. It, it was obvious, but bro, it was so well done. 
that like I was in, I was impressed, dude. Um, loved it. Love the movie. Eight out of ten. Highly recommend for everyone. Uh, just so good, dude. So good. Um, I watched Glengarry Glen Ross, which is a. Have you heard of it before? Yeah. No, Glengarry Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Ross. It's the name of a sales company. So Glengarry is one word. Glen Ross. Um, it's adapted into a movie. Was a play. It's got um, Al Pacino, Alec Baldwin, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, and Kevin Spacey in it, and then some more people. It is an hour and forty minutes. Dialogue heavy. It is a play. Just they put into a movie. Dialogue he- heavy about salesmen just trying to make a sale and the grind. And there's a contest, and if they can't fall through the contest, then someone's going to lose their job. It is so good, dude. It is so good. It's like everyone's a great actor. Everybody. The super famous quotes of this movie, though. Like, everything's quotable. Like, coffee is for closers. Always be closing. Like, this gets quoted all the time, especially in sales. But, like, it's such a quotable movie, and it's just good. It's just good. It's not... It's not filmy it feels like i'm watching a stage play um because the scenes are long um but everyone's acting their pants off and it's just like it's just impressive um it's a bit of a guy's movie as in this is stuff that guys like to watch um but there's not anything in it that's inherently hyper masculine or misogynistic or anything like that it's just like yeah it's just a it's about salesmen who like are just trying to sell real estate and sales is already dominated by a lot of men. But like back then it was just dudes trying to sell to dudes. I mean, selling to women as well. They're just trying to make sales. Um, there's just only guys in the office. It's just something. Yeah. That I think guys really like, although it's interesting enough that everyone would like it. It's just so good. And if you don't like the dialogue in the first 20 minutes, you're not going to like the movie. That's just because the movie is just dialogue. There's no action. There's nothing. It's just dialogue. Lots of swearing. So you got to be on board with that. But dude, it's freaking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, eight and a half and 10. Freaking so good, dude. It's so good. Oh, wow. Um, I watched Airplane as part of, um, I watched I'm three movies deep into my hundred plus comedies this year. I've watched Ace Ventura, uh, Airplane and Almost Famous. Almost Famous, by the way. Not a freaking comedy. So we can talk about that. I pulled from like five or six different it's lists. It's really of not. Best comedies ever. Comedies to watch before you die. 100 best comedy, comedies out right now. Um, Almost Famous was on a couple of those lists, dude. I think it's the one of the best movies that also is comedic at times. But it's not a comedy. So like going into it thinking it was a comedy and finding out 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, waiting for it to be funny. It's just like, I think it took away from me truly respecting the movie it is good it is a it is a good movie um i kind of have a problem with movies that fall around kids as the main character when they're around adults because it's a stark contrast stark contrast between you know acting styles billy crudup is fantastic in this movie main character russell the guitarist he is so good dude but i think i just love him i think i love everything he's in i think i just love him i think he's just amazing i want to be him um so there's that um francis mcdormand she killed it zoe de janelle was distractingly bad but whatever kate hudson i don't know if kate hudson's a good actress dude because like this bothers me every time what's the one we watched with mcconaughey um how to lose a guy in 10 days didn't like her in that either and then she was in glass onion 
Didn't like her in that. Flame roasted her when we talked about how to lose a guy. In yeah. Days. And then she was in Glass Onion. Didn't like her in that. And then this is in her known for four. Like it is, also yeah. how to lose a guy in 10 days is as well. Famous. This is like IMDb gives this movie a 7.9. I believe it is like a seven and a half movie. So we're pretty close. I just don't like her. And then obviously the main characters, a kid who's acting is questionable. Um, but it's a good movie. Just not a freaking comedy. The best comedy recommendation I can make so far, only three movies in. Everyone needs to watch Airplane, bro. It is rated PG. There is exactly one second of boobs in this movie. <laughs> one second. Um, uh, three seconds, but two seconds of them clothed. One second is not. Um, this is just like the old PG movies just don't. They didn't have. It's, it wasn't enough to make it R, so they just like keep it in. This movie is just jokes the entire time dude this is where the joke um surely you can't be serious i am serious and don't call me shirley this is where that joke comes from or how do you like your coffee like my men black that also comes from this movie it's just jokes all the time you can't go 30 seconds without jokes it's awesome dude it was like off because some of the jokes are just cheesy and some of them are just wordplay a lot of the jokes are just wordplay (laughs) um bro it's so good it's just uh it's almost like sitcom funny for 90 minutes, if that makes sense. Like yeah, The absolutely. Office, Arrested Development, How I Met Your Mother, uh, Community. It's just how many jokes can we fit in as short of period as possible? Like the plot is irrelevant. It's just jokes, jokes, jokes. Highly recommend. Um, I mean, bro, you, I think you would enjoy it. And it's low commitment. Um, yes it's on my sticks. list for sure highly recommend i'm giving it a uh seven and a half all right seven, love seven, it five. yeah good loved it all nice right well that's the show um hey did you notice how we almost went for 90 minutes and we don't have a segment crazy yeah. <laughs> feel like we're not gonna miss it um anyway next week we are continuing in our theme of movies i really should have watched by now and we are watching prince of egypt This is another one of those movies I got like 10 minutes into and bailed on. This one, for a less egregious reason, I was just 15 and kind of going through it. Um, So this movie just kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, Yeah, we're watching Prince of Egypt. I'm excited. Um, Until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. (laughs) 